page three, if you have the, the bulletin or your, your Bible, it's number 16. We've been studying through the book of Numbers uh, here at Emmanuel, and if you've, if you've caught some of those studies recently, uh, you've picked up on the theme. There's been a lot of grumbling, a lot of rebellion, and, and here we are in Numbers 16, and oh look, there's grumbling again, and there's rebellion again. Uh, a sad chapter in, in the life of God's people there in the wilderness, right? They've been released from slavery in Egypt, but they're not yet in the promised land. And this particular section in Numbers, uh, episode after episode of grumbling against the Lord and rebellion against the Lord, each episode slightly differently, and that gives us a chance to hone in on some of the uniquenesses. And we began to read uh, this account of, of Korah and, and those who were with him. And we'll pick up the reading uh, at, at, in verse 16, uh, remembering uh, that as Paul encouraged us, these things, these episodes in the wilderness, these rebellions in the wilderness, they were, they were written down for us uh, so that we might take them to heart. Uh, that, uh, that we who, in many ways, are in the wilderness as well. Right? If you're in Christ, you've been set free from slavery to sin, but yet we're not quite in the promised land yet, are we? So we're in the wilderness, and here's some of the temptations and, and things we need to wrestle with and learn. And we trust that God will encourage us both with uh, sin to be uh, to flee from and the glory of Jesus to be uh, embraced. So let's go on and pick up the reading. Again, verse 16, we've read of the, of the rebellion already and, and, uh, and Moses calling the individuals to, to come, and we pick up verse 16. And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you and all your company, before the Lord, you and they and Aaron, tomorrow, and let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it, and every one of you bring also before the Lord his censer, 250 censers, you also and Aaron each his censer. So every man took his censer and put fire in them, and laid incense on them, and stood before the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, uh, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, uh, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah, and Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out, and stood at the door of their tents together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it was not it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, uh, and if you are, uh, are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new, and if the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up uh, all with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, 
Then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. And as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all their, the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. And they and all their, that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the assembly, from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, and they said, Let the earth swallow us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. If we had time, we could keep reading because there's actually a, a follow-up incident to this uh, where it's the next day and the people of God, you'd think, would be sobered by this, but actually they, they rise up again against Moses and Aaron and, and blame them for, for, for Moses and Aaron killing uh, Korah and the others. Uh, they, they blame it on Moses and Aaron, and, and again, God threatens to wipe out the entire congregation. But there's this curious, uh, powerful scene that we'll talk about in a minute, where, where Moses says to Aaron, quick, get your censer, get coals from the altar, burn incense, and he does it, and immediately the plague that comes in judgment is halted. A powerful picture. Uh, let's, uh, let's look to it. First, look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you that your word, sobering, powerful, and yet, ultimately, you show us that there is mercy, undeserved, grace that's greater than all our sins. So show us that uh, this day, that we might know your love and your life. Uh, and we pray in Christ's name, the Savior himself. Amen. Amen. Think about something in your life. Something in your life that you're unhappy about. Maybe it's a, a particular quality that's missing. Maybe it's a particular achievement that you haven't yet attained. Uh, a particular uh, possession that you don't have. A circumstance that you aren't in. Something you're not happy with. Something you don't have. But then look at that other person. They have it. That very thing you want and don't have, they have it. Now you know you, you, you could be happy for them, uh, thankful that they get to enjoy this good gift from the Lord. But if you're honest with yourself, you know you're, you're really not happy for them. Uh, in fact, you're pretty frustrated, angry, even even hostile as you think about what they have. I want it, your heart thinks. That's what I want. I'm not really very interested in them having it. I want it. Envy. Uh, it's that feeling of discontent and ill will because of what another has and, and we don't. Envy. Uh, the Bible says it makes the bones rot. Uh, it's, it's a powerful uh, proverb from Proverbs 14. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. So it, 
it's envy is something that makes us miserable. But even more than that, it's it's this quality, it's this sin that's it's really ugly before the Lord, because ultimately it's not just something that makes us miserable, but a, a sin against God. Um, it's the very sin that that fed the shattering of the goodness of God's creation. Right, all the way back in the garden. Envy. Uh, as the Bible goes through in various points, lists the different uh, markers of ugliness and corruption and depravity in the world, uh, frequently it will list, here's how you know this place is ugly, envy. Hmm. But here's the good news. As, as God puts his finger on ugly things, uh, his purpose uh, is, to, is to rescue and is to redeem. And, and while I trust we'll see that this morning. As God challenges and points his finger on something that that's ugly, his desire is to rescue, uh, to show us the glory of Jesus and the new life that's in him. And that's his purpose, and I trust you will accomplish it through his, through his spirit. Um, can you see envy in this passage? Let, let's start there, trying to identify uh, where the envy is, what it looks like, some of the qualities of it. We'll spend a little more time on this because... You can't, really can't fight something uh, unless you know what it is and can see it, identifying envy. So here you have what's classically known as Korah's rebellion. Korah, this, this individual, it's a guy. Um, and, but there's other leaders with him. We're told, verse 1, that you have Korah, who's a Levite from the tribe of Levi. But there are also others. Uh, some of the named individuals include members of the tribe of Reuben. And we're told some 250 others, uh, prominent Israelites, uh, they look like Levites too, um, but, but this, this group of prominent leaders gathers together and they're rebelling against, revolting against the leadership of Moses and of Aaron. And what's fueling it is, is envy. Uh, so, so you start with Korah. Uh, Korah and the Levites with him. He's a Levite, and there seems to be other Levites, those 250. Uh, they're specifically envious of Aaron, uh, in Aaron's role as high priest. And so you, you see that shows up, verse 3. Here's, uh, here's what they say. You've gone too far, uh, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, uh, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now, then if you sneak down to verse 10, you see that how, what Moses interprets this as is that these Levites, they want to be priests. So the, so the specific envy for these Levites is they look at Aaron and who Aaron is. Aaron, remember, it is himself a Levite, but he's set apart, he and his sons, uh, to this uh, even more special role as a, as a priest. Aaron the high priest. And so you have these other Levites who see Aaron as, as high priest, and what, what jumps out of their hearts is envy. I want that. And they even put it in religious language. Hold it. I thought all of us were holy. How come he gets uh, to be high priest? I want to be high priest. But then you have, you have uh, Dathan and Abiram. These are uh, from the tribe of Reuben. They seem to be more envious of Moses and his leadership. So you have some who are envious of, 
of Aaron and his priestly leadership. There's others who seem to be envious more of Moses and his civil kingly uh, leadership. And so uh, Moses calls uh, Dathan and Abiram to come. They refuse to come. This is verse 12. And then verse 13, they essentially give their answer, which is, we're, we're not listening to you, Moses. Um, you've, you've completely failed in your job as leader of the people, as shepherd of Israel. You've failed in bringing us out of Egypt. Would you come to kill us in the wilderness? You haven't brought us into the, into the promised land. And then uh, you kind of get the heart. Uh, now will you exalt yourself as prince over us? In other words, you're going to put yourself in this position of, of ruler, of, of, of shepherd, of kind of a kingly figure. So you have Levites, they're envying Aaron and his priestly leadership. You have these uh, from the tribe of Reuben who are envying Moses and his, and his uh, shepherding kingly leadership over God's people. <clears throat> and in the midst of it, you see some, some really key features of what envy is and, and how ugly it is. Um, the, the first point we can make in there in your outline is you know, that, that envy sucks the joy from life. Uh, this is another way of putting it. It makes the bones to rot. Uh, it, it, it really sucks the joy out of life. One preacher I heard this week uh, put it this way, that envy is the vacuum pump that sucks the joy from life. And, and you, you see that here with, with specifically Korah and the other Levites. Moses goes out of his way in verses 8 and, to no, eight and 9 to remind them of just how privileged they actually are. Uh, now, uh, some of you were with us when we studied what the Levites are all about earlier in Numbers, but, but probably all of us have forgotten a little bit. So, quick reminder, Levites, uh, right, that's one of the 12 tribes, specifically set apart from all the other tribes for this very, very special task among God's people. They are to be the ones who, are, who camp closest to the tabernacle, right? That, that special tent of God where God's glory presence dwells. They get to camp the closest because their job is to be guardians of the, the holy things of God and the holiness of God. They're given the task of caring for all the, the different pieces of, of the tabernacle and transporting it and setting it up and breaking it down. Uh, so this amazing privilege, they get closer to the glory of God than almost any other Israelite. Actually, uh, Korah is one of the most privileged, privileged of all the Levites. We're actually told that, uh, in verse 1, that uh, Korah is a son of Kohath. Uh, here's really testing your memory. Uh, if you remember, months ago we said that the Levites actually were divided among themselves, one tribe, Levi, divided into three divisions based on the different sons, historically, of Levi. And one of the sons of Levi was Kohath. So that now is a division of Levites. And, and each division gets different duties with regard to the tabernacle. Well, the, the, the sons of Kohath are the most privileged because their task is to take care of the furniture uh, of the tabernacle. The really, really holy stuff. Like the Ark of the Covenant. right? The Ark that's the, the, the throne of God symbolically. right? The most holy Thing in, the, in the whole uh, Old Testament uh, symbolic system, and they get to carry it. Uh, the sons of Kohath, Korah. But yet, 
as Moses points out, they're extraordinarily blessed and privileged. They're not enjoying any of it. They're not recognizing these gifts or enjoying them. Instead, what are they completely focused on? What they don't have. What they're envious of. Uh, so, so oh, the one thing they don't have, they're not priests. Well, that's what we want. So their envy, uh, even though they're the most, some of the most blessed of Israelites, has actually sucked the joy right out of it. Because they're not enjoying a bit of the privilege and the honor that they have. Because they're so focused on what they don't have. Um, envy has taken over their hearts like a vacuum pump. It's, it's just sucked the joy right out uh, of what God has given them. Probably we can all identify with that, can't we? Um, if we're honest with ourselves, we can look at different parts of our lives and realize, wow, we, we have these tremendous blessings, extraordinary uh, blessings. Um, maybe, maybe we think of physical blessings and comforts. Come on, if we're honest with ourselves, everybody in this room is far more wealthy and physically comfortable than almost the vast majority of people in the entire world, let alone down through history. Uh, there's tremendous blessing that we have. Um, uh, we, could, uh, we could think of, of the, the gifts and abilities that, that we have as individuals. Each of us uh, gifted both naturally and as believers, spiritually gifted with these unique characteristics, being able to do and accomplish things that, that unique God putting before us uh, so that we can serve and build up and bless the, uh, in a way that somebody else, the person in the row in front of you can't, but you've been specifically designed and gifted to be able to do it. Um, and on we could go. But how often do we, do we fail to recognize or enjoy those privileges, those gifts? Because in the midst of it, we're just focused on oh, what I don't have. I don't have that possession my, my neighbor has. I don't have that comfort that he has. And that consumes us. Or, or I'm, not, I'm not gifted the way the, the person in the, in the row in front of me is. I want, I want his gifts. Uh, I, I want to be able to serve like she does. I want to be, have that role. And, and there's that, that, that consumes us. And effectively, it, it sucks the joy that God actually intends for these good gifts to provide in, in our lives. Yeah, no wonder. Envy makes the bones to rot. Uh, it does. It has that effect upon us. Um, can, you, can you see some ways that envy has kind of made your bones rot, kind of has sucked some of the joy, some of the life uh, out of, uh, out of your, your world? But even more than that, envy is ugly and leads to more ugliness. Here's recognizing it's not just something we, we kind of, way we make our lives miserable. It is. But it's actually worse than that because it's a sin against God, ultimately. There's the ugliness. Ultimately, it's an offense against God. Moses goes right to pointing that out. Uh, verse 11, saying that, yeah, it's, it's against God that they've gathered in their rebellion. Um, it's God who appointed Aaron high priest. It's God who put Moses as shepherd of the people. And so for the these individuals to despise this position of Moses and Aaron. It's ultimately to, to, to despise what God has decided, what God has set up, uh, to, to spit upon his goodness and God's wisdom. And so the, 
the envious hostility that they feel towards Moses and Aaron ultimately is a rejection of God. Maybe you maybe think back, we mentioned about the Garden of Eden. Think back to the Garden and the sin of Adam and Eve, right, where everything began to fall apart. Uh, what really drove that in the Garden? It was envy, wasn't it? Here's, here's Adam and Eve. They have everything. Paradise. Everything. Everything. Oh, this one thing. Don't touch that tree. Then that's what they want. Uh, but even more, remember how they're tempted uh, they're tempted by, uh, by, by the pull of envy. As, as Satan comes to them and says, yeah, you eat that, you'll be like God. The one thing they, they aren't, they don't have, oh, we want that. We want to be like God. And they go for it. And ultimately, it is a rejection of God. Uh, they, they reject God's goodness, God's wisdom, God's care, God's plan, God's love. Uh, in order to exalt themselves uh, and, and go after what God has not given in his wisdom, in his goodness, in his protection. Uh, they follow in the footsteps of, of Satan, who did the same thing, rejected God's plan and rebelled against him. So uh, envy is, is vile because it's, a, because it's a rejection of God. It's ugly because it's rejecting him and his goodness and his plan. And it always leads to more ugliness, uh, which is what you see here. Uh, envy never stays inside. It always always leaks out. And sure enough, you, you get here that the leaking out, uh, because the, the envy of Korah and Nathan and Byram, it, it just it just builds. You see it. Uh, it has them slandering Moses and Aaron. Did you catch that? How they they they, they just speak lies about Moses and Aaron, saying that Moses and Aaron exalted themselves to these positions. They didn't. But they claim they did, so they're slandering Moses and Aaron. Uh, it, they, they form this well-orchestrated revolt against God and his people and, his, and the, 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 the unity of God's people torn apart. And, of course, the, the judgment it brings, not only on them, but, but their families, it's, it's ugly. And it leads to more ugliness. Perhaps that's something you've, you've seen in your life as well, that... Um, that it is, it's ugly. Right? Can you see how envy ultimately is a sin against God? Can you see that, that part of what your heart is saying in envying another is, God, you've really done a pretty lousy job here. God, you've, you've really kind of messed up on this one. Uh, and and, and there's, your, there's the, the heart of it. Or uh, have you seen how that, that envy then leaks out into other things that, that more ugliness is produced? Um, uh, maybe, maybe it's an envy of another's physical beauty, and it has led you to, to do really destructive things to yourself uh, because of your envy of, of another. Uh, or maybe it's envious of, of another's possessions, uh, and it's and it's pushed you to to do make really unwise and destructive financial decisions uh, because envy has taken you uh, over, or maybe envy of another's gifts has has kept you from serving in the ways that you actually could uh, and the things you're actually gifted for, but but you're so consumed uh, with the gifts of another that you've you've actually just failed to produce wonderful fruit that you that God actually intended to. 
uh, but it produced it's right the envy producing ugliness. Um, so we do need we do need to identify it. We need to see it, and we spend more time here because because unless you understand it and see how ugly it is, uh, we're not going to be able to to see how God intends uh, to transform us. But first, we need do need to see that a key part of the passage is God judging envy uh, and the rebellion that flows from it. <clears throat> here, it is uh, it comes the judgment comes in the form of a test. And remember how. Aaron and, and Korah are told, uh, along with the 250 others, to, to appear before the tent of God, each with, with a censer in their hand. A censer, it's just a, a small bowl that you put coals in and then burn incense. That's what priests did. That's part of the role that a priest had was to burn incense before the Lord as an offering. So essentially what God is saying here is, okay, you want to play priest? Let's have everybody play priest. And see who God actually accepts. Uh, it's this powerful kind of judgment from the Lord, and they're all they're all lined up. And sure enough, and sure enough, Aaron's offering is accepted, uh, and and the rest who line up with their sense are consumed by by fire before the Lord. This harsh judgment that comes. Also, judgment coming on on Dathan and Abiram. All right, those uh, those who are so envious and wanting to uh, Moses's position as his leader. Leading into the land, this harsh judgment, the land swallows them up. Uh, it's a harsh judgment and also this sign that, yeah, God really did put Moses uh, in charge. Um, envy really is that bad. And, and the rebellion that flows out uh, against God, it's really that ugly. It really does deserve God's judgment. This account in Numbers, we've seen a lot of these harsh judgments in Numbers. This one is a little different because uh, those who, who have sinned and are going to be judged actually get, uh, get some time to think about it. The, some, a lot of times the judgment comes quickly. But here, remember how Moses says, okay, line up before the Lord with your censor tomorrow. Which actually means they get all night to think about this. Probably it's all night to repent. And it very well might be. There's little hints that maybe some actually do repent. Um, for example, verse 1, we read of this guy, uh, On, the son of Peleth. He's named as one of the rebels, the leaders, in verse 1. But you never read of him again? Uh, and, and in him being swallowed up or consumed by fire? Could it be that it's because overnight he repented? Very well could be. Uh, we also read later in Numbers of, of the sons of Korah being listed in a future census. In other words, some descendants of Korah, some sons of Korah are still alive just a couple years later. Um, so could it be that some of Korah's family repented and, 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 and fled from the sin of their family? Could be. Uh, but, but, but we certainly do have that principle in Scripture that God in his, uh, in his kindness, though we certainly deserve a swift judgment from the Lord for our sin, uh, he delays he delays, and, and First Second Peter says the delay uh, is because God God wants all to turn from their sin and, and find life, uh, and so here we are, right? We we deserve swift judgment from the Lord, but but here's God; He's He's delayed in order that we might see the ugliness of sin and turn from it and know salvation, know the Savior. Have you, have you used this delay well and realized, well, I need, I need someone to rescue me from my sins? 
which is where we want to go next, uh, and see how this points, this passage points us to Jesus, to the Savior. Ultimately, the entire Old Testament does that. Now, it points us to how God is getting the ground ready for Jesus, and and you see, um, you see shadows of that here. Uh, you see it in what we read, verses 20 and 22, for example, and there, there you have God telling Moses and Aaron he's going to wipe out the whole nation, the whole congregation. But Moses and Aaron fall on their faces and they plead, Lord, spare, show mercy. Uh, that, that role of intercessor, that role of mediator, right? that's, that's God getting, getting, uh, giving us pictures of Christ. And actually, the even more powerful picture of Jesus comes in that, that follow-up episode that I described. At the end of chapter 16, it's the next day, and, and the people uh, aren't really humbled. They're actually uh, rebelling again, saying, Moses, Aaron, you killed all these people. It's your fault. And, 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 and God uh, is going to bring a plague to wipe out the whole nation. And Moses uh, quickly says to Aaron, grab your censer. Let me, let me just read it. This is... Verse 46. And Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put fire on it from the altar. Lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. So here's Moses saying to Aaron, the real high priest, and says, Quick, grab your censer. You're the one who's actually authorized to do this. Go to the altar grab fire, put incense in, uh, on top, and then take it to the, to the congregation where, where judgment has already begun and he takes this incense before the Lord and as soon as he does it, the plague is halted. Powerful, powerful picture. Go to the altar. What happens at the altar? Well, in the Old Testament system, what happens at the altar is that's where sacrifices are offered to the Lord. That's where spotless uh, lambs, uh, bulls are offered before the Lord. Those were spotless, innocent, but they're offered on the altar, burned up by fire before the Lord as a substitute. Here's the innocent dying in place of the guilty. And it's fire from that altar, then brought to the people, and as soon as the, uh, the sacrifice is applied, the judgment halts immediately. Can you see Jesus there? Right, that, that here is God's provision for, for, for guilty, envious, rebellious people like us. A spotless sacrifice would be altered, would be offered, would, would, would take the, the fiery judgment we deserve, and that that would immediately halt the judgment of God that we deserve. Uh, and so, uh, well, maybe you even think of it in terms of envy. Think of the life of Jesus, right? Because in order for the sacrifice to work, it's got to be spotless. Think of the life of Jesus in terms of envy. Not only is Jesus free from envy, but, but Scripture describes he's actually this wonderfully powerful opposite of humility. Um, remember how Paul describes it in Philippians 2? Speaking of Jesus and his incarnation, right? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Right? Here's, here's Jesus. He is God himself, right? The Son. 
He has a right to all the privileges of, of, of deity, uh, all the glory and privileges. Uh, but far from clinging to them, he doesn't cling. Instead, he, he humbles himself. He takes the form of a servant, and he goes low, uh, though he deserves all the exaltation. All right? You can, you can see how it's, it's the exact opposite of us. Right? In our envy, we seek to exalt ourselves. But here's Jesus, and he does the exact opposite. He actually has a right to all the exaltation, and he doesn't cling to it. Uh, but in humility, he takes the lowest form, the lowest place. Ultimately, it's to go to the cross. And what happens at the cross? Right? The judgment we deserve goes on him. He goes to the lowest place so that the, the fiery judgment of God can fall on Christ. He goes to the grave. And the earth as it was, as it were, the earth swallows him up three days under the power uh, of, of death. Uh, three days in the, in, in the power of the earth. The earth swallowing him up. Yeah, that's what we deserve for our envy, right? The very things we read in numbers, uh, that's what we deserve. It goes on Jesus. Also, that we can be forgiven and free. Uh, see, here, here's great hope for, for envious, rebellious people like us. Uh, it's this Jesus who lived perfectly what we don't, and it's taken all the judgment for us. All right, so a passage like this, it should have us with this holy seriousness. This is serious, but a holy confidence here is true rescue that I can I can trust right because with Jesus right the plague is stopped immediately uh, in your life in my life right that 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 uh, that gift from the altar that fire from the altar as soon as it gets near to God's people read you're putting your faith in Christ judgment's done there's no judgment for you for me that's the good news so it's there's a holy seriousness wow this is big run to Christ but a holy confidence. Well, I'm free in him. Judgment is done. Um, trust in Christ and this forgiveness is ours. But not just forgiveness. God also uh, not only forgives, but his plan is to transform us. Uh, here's part of the glory of it. And then we're going to end with this. But it's worth taking a little bit of time noticing how God intends to, to transform our envy. We'll, we'll, we'll see and in two quick ways, one by looking at Moses and Aaron and one by looking at the greater Moses. So quickly looking at Moses and Aaron, of course we know Moses and Aaron have some really, really bad days uh, and, and often they're examples of, of what not to do. Uh, here is, through the Spirit of God, a good day. And so you get hints of, of Jesus and how to walk after Jesus. And specifically want to notice how in the midst of it, how they're walking with God, right? So at every point in this very difficult episode, they, they circle back to God as the, as the primary one in the story, all right? So, so verse 4, Moses falls on his face and speaks about the Lord and his holiness. Or verse 15, Moses turns to the Lord in prayer. Or verse 22, Moses and Aaron plead with the Lord for mercy. Or verse 36, they listen to the Lord and follow his direction. Right? So at every point, 
They're, they're circling back to, to the God who is present with them, the God who is holy with them. It's, it is, a lot of ways, the opposite of what the congregation is doing, what the, what the rebels are doing. Um, they're, they're circling back to their envy. Or maybe you could put it this way. Um, they're, they're walking with envy. But envy is their traveling companion through this part of life. Right? The, the envy is their, is their traveling companion. But you get this very different way of life uh, hinted at in Moses and Aaron. It's, it's not walking with envy as our companion, but walking with God. Circling back to him, the, the one who's present, the one who's holy, the one who's good, the one who is a savior. Right? So here, here's what the Spirit of God is going is to be transforming us into, day by day by day. So that less and less, uh, you and me, we're, less and less we're going to have envy as our traveling companion. Right, can you see how you do that? I, man, this is convicting to me. How Too often what, what we travel through life is, is, is envy as our companion. We're walking with envy. But where, where God is changing us is more and more a walk with God where he's the one we kind of circle back to. That's where the Spirit of God is taking us. Um, it's also learning from the greater Moses and, and a greater sense of greatness, a different sense of greatness. It's learning from Jesus. It's reminding ourselves that not only does Jesus rescue us, but Jesus brings us along with him so that we're more and more like him. Right? We're united to Christ. That's how we're forgiven. But we're united to Christ so that we can also walk in his, in his steps. Uh, and, and it is this, this path of Jesus. This is where he's taking us. Right? It's not the path of envy where I exalt myself. Right? Well, it's the path of Jesus where, where we actually, in humility, go low. Uh, as opposed to exalting self, grasping. Remember, Jesus uh, doesn't do that. He, he doesn't grasp for greatness even though he has a right to it. But he goes low in order to love, in order to serve. Uh, and we're being taken along that same road. Now, the spirit of Christ in us, so that more and more we're not bound to that spirit of exalt self, that spirit of envy, but more and more the spirit of God ruling, so that's a spirit of even willingness to not just, I'm going to keep away from exalting myself, but I'm even willing to put aside the rights and privileges that might be mine. In order, to, in order to go low, in order to serve, in order to love others, in order to honor God in his holiness. Right? It's that, instead of that spirit of exalting self, the spirit of take, more and more it's the spirit of humility, the spirit of give. And like Christ, we can do that in great joy because where does it end for Jesus? Uh, right? He goes low, but he's exalted because of it. Right? That's where Philippians goes. He humbles himself to the lowest place and he's exalted name above every name, raised up in glory. Well, guess what? That's where God's taking us. All right, yes, it means uh, for a time, for a season, it's, it's more about humbling ourselves than it is about uh, exaltation. But, but that, God says, is just a short season. Uh, there's going to be with Christ this exaltation. We'll get hints of it here in this world. But ultimately, it's when Jesus comes back, there's this, this great exaltation for all of God's people, uh, including us. Right, this transformed world where there, where there is no more lack. Isn't that part of the, 
uh, part of the difficulty with, with this world and why we're so tempted to envy is because there is lack. There is things that, 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 that are good things that, that many of us don't have. Uh, and and that, that makes it hard not to envy when there's good things that some of us just don't have. Um, but the exaltation is there's going to be a world where there is no more lack. But that's done. Uh, because God transforms not only us, but the world around us. So as we go low now, not cling uh, to exalt self, cling to, to privilege, but instead go low to serve, we do it with this confidence, knowing God's going to raise up his people. He's going to raise us up with Christ. Uh, there is this exaltation that is coming. So yeah, I, I hope you see it's convicting news, but it's good news. Because we get to know this Savior more. Uh, we get to uh, have this spirit transform us so that we're walking with him and knowing him better and following this good, though hard, path of Christ that ends in exaltation. Let's pray again. Father, we do pray, thanking you that you, you are good uh, and that your love and your grace are far greater than all our sin. We confess our, uh, our sin, even our envy and our rebellious hearts. Lord, thank you for Jesus uh, and his love and his power. And we pray that that spirit of Jesus would be at work among us. Uh, Lord, even uh, even transforming, uh, Lord, the very lives that you've forgiven, uh, even, even here, we pray that you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's close responding to God's word.